It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins today. And one, two, he struck him out swinging. A fastball at 93 ends Cabrera's at bat and Duffy with a sharp one, two, three, eighth inning. I would rather be labeled as someone who can really spin a breaking ball, throw a good fastball without any help. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Well, I'm 75 now, so that I'll probably hit about 280, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it was a great question. I caught you tolling off your pits, didn't I? And I said, yes, sir, you sure did. <laughs> now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Well, good morning, Twins fans. It's great to start off my Sunday morning with a smile every day. Rod Carew certainly does that, and uh, Tim Laudner's line I, I cracks me up every time. This is Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. I am your host, Eric Wetmore, and I'm sitting at Target Field, where, yeah, it's supposed to feel a little like summer again today. Fun finale, Twins and Blue Jays, a little bit later on, but we are going to get you set for that with a, a full block of programming. It starts with Twins Today, which you're listening to right now. We're 10 to noon. Then we're going to hand things over to the great Corey Provis. He's got Inside Twins with Rocco Baldelli, and I do have a visual on Mr. Provis. Can confirm he has reported for duty here at Target Field. It's the Adina Realty pregame lineup card after that with Chris Atterbury and first pitch between the Twins and Blue Jays. Scheduled to be Griffin Jacks versus Alec Manoa. Battle of righties, uh, youngsters on the mound, I should say. Um, so that's what's ahead on Twins Today. Before we get to all that, well, we'll start out with five thoughts. We'll do a little bit of radio revisit, and then it is all Justin Morneau all the time. His special weekend here at Target Field, of course. Justin Morneau yesterday became the 34th member of the Twins Hall of Fame. Uh, memorable speech. Thanked just about everybody. It uh, set a new record for Twins acceptance speeches as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned. And just a great day at the ballpark as he slipped on the new, the baby blue blazer and joined his peers. Uh, rightfully so. Obviously a very deserving honor. We will get to all of that today. Talking to some of his friends, coaches, colleagues over the years. We're going to talk with uh, Mr. Rod Carew. Joe Vavra, TK, take, took a little bit of time this weekend to chat with us on his uh, uh, protege. And Brad Radke also joins the show to talk about one of the Living Twins legends, Justin Morneau. We're going to start the day with a recap. Look at back at the week that was and sort of pick out specific nuggets. This segment is called Five Thoughts. I'm going to dive deeper on some of the things that mattered most to the Twins this week. And, I mean, how could you start anywhere else? Number one. Given the opportunity, I would do it all again. The start, the first, the peak, and the end. The injuries, the derbies, the playoff failures, the whole thing. I've lived a life that people, including myself, have dreamt about. And it was all worth it. Thank you. Justin Morneau's Hall of Fame acceptance speech there. Uh, just 
kind of a touching moment thanking all the fans that he would do it all again. I, you know, there's always that thing with Justin Morneau, the what could have been. Well, if you look back at what actually was, it was still pretty darn great. And I personally really appreciate that he has uh, taken that perspective with him into his uh, his post-playing career. 2006 AL MVP, 1,300-plus hits, uh, 221 homers with the Twins. Of course, later he played for the Pirates, Rockies, White Sox, but you know, I think we'll all remember him as a twin. And he thanked so many people throughout that speech. Uh, there were some really, really touching moments. Uh, the thing that I was hit by yesterday, I'll just end on this for now, is that you know, so many people seem to genuinely like and root for the guy, but he's also one of those people that represents the fulfillment, to me, of all those baseball cliches that you hear all the time. Super talented hitter, even as a 17, 18-year-old kid. I talked to Terry Ryan this weekend. said he saw him when he was just a pup, and and he already had that tremendous power in the left-handed bat. So it wasn't really a question of talent to me personally, but he sort of embodies that... You know, his career would not have taken off unless he dedicated himself to that professionalism and hard work. And those are the cliches that you hear. But I think Justin sort of proved that. Once that switch flipped for him, he became an MVP and perennially one of the most feared hitters in the American League. So congrats to a Twins legend and now newest Twins Hall of Famer, Justin Morneau. That was the past. Let's look to the future with this next thought. Number two. Ahead, no balls and two strikes. And the pitch, strike three looking, Hendricks knew it. That is seven strikeouts in a row. The last four have all been looking. You never really know what you're going to see from young players. And uh, establishing yourself as a, as a major league starting pitcher, it's not the easiest thing to do, and there's a lot that goes into it. It, has, it doesn't just have to do with having good stuff and striking guys out at a good clip. The maturity level of these guys has really stood out. Yes, there are aspects of their game that will be coached up and that they will hone in on and improve on, but they're coming in with such a good foundation and what's between their ears is truly a strength of both of those guys. That highlight, Dan Gladden talking about Joe Ryan, the Twins rookie who joined the team in the Nelson Cruz trade with the Rays. And I'll talk to the two guys that, that Rocco Baldelli was addressing there in a second. First, I just want to highlight that start from Joe Ryan. He is the first twin ever to strike out 11 or more in five innings or fewer. Johan Santana was here this weekend. I would have thought he would have done that trick once or twice. And nope, Joe Ryan stands alone on that mantle. He also set a team rookie record by striking out seven hitters in a row. Kenta Maeda did eight. I believe that was in 2020. And... The, the clip that Rocco was talking about, I believe the question was specifically about Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober. Yeah, the Twins have a lot of young pitchers, but for me, those two guys have really set themselves apart from the crowd of promising young pitching prospects because they're doing it in the big leagues. Joe Ryan threw four starts, 32% strikeout rate, and that's a, that's a really good mark for a starting pitcher. Don't know if that's going to continue, He, but he did strike out half the hitters he faced with the Saints in his brief appearance there, and 35% of the hitters at AAA Durham over a, a much more extended sample before he joined the Twins organization, of course, before he went over to pitch for Team USA in the Tokyo Olympics. I like what I see from Joe Ryan so far. I think the secondary pitches still have a ways to go before it's, 
yeah, this dude's a complete pitcher. But the fact that he's getting by on his fastball right now against big league hitters and and succeeded against a Cubs team a second time they'd already seen that sort of rising fastball, it's been an impressive start to his big league career for Joe Ryan. And Bailey Ober, I should touch on too, 92 major league innings this year. And he's got right around an MLB average, ERA, 4.19 ERA for it. They don't give me a pencil, and I do expect that the Twins will make some additions in the offseason as far as the starting rotation is concerned. But right now, those guys are written on my sheet as the number one and two starters for the 2022 rotation. Number three. And the 2-2 right down the middle. Strike three call, and Duffy has a 1-2-3 quick and efficient half inning. My official position is that relievers get no love. The especially guys who are not closers and are not earning saves and big multi-year contracts only get pointed out when they are struggling. So we should call some attention to relievers when they are succeeding. The bullpen as a whole we could talk about. We have in recent weeks about the stretch they've been on since they lost their best member in Taylor Rogers. Tyler Duffy, one thing I wanted to point out, dear listener, He's reincorporated that two-seam fastball, and he's added a slow curve, which I hadn't really seen from Duffy before. He's given up three runs in his last 11 outings, and you'll remember all of those came in that game at Yankee Stadium when he was asked to pitch a third inning and got squeezed a little bit on the strike zone, not making excuses, just a fact. 17-2 strikeout-to-walk ratio over this stretch of 11 outings that I'm talking about for Duffy. Really interesting to see him tweak his pitch mix so late in the year to add that sort of sink fastball and a, and a big slow curve to go with the hammer curve he already used and the four-seam fastball at the top of the zone. Fascinated to see the final week here or so for Tyler Duffy. Numbers four and five, we're going to go to the minor leagues just to prep you. I'm going to catch you up on what's going on with the Twins' minor league affiliates. Number four. Fly ball, right field. This one's going back a little bit. Back, it's still going. And it clears the wall. Home run. That one just kept carrying and carrying. A solo home run for Jair Camargo and the Colonels with a 2-1 to one lead. That call on the Cedar Rapids Colonels game, they are locked in a championship tilt tonight. You can catch that. Series is tied 2-2. It's the High A Central West Division. Cedar Rapids Colonels looking to lock up the championship in the uh, winner-take-all game five at Quad Cities. It's the Royals affiliate. That first pitch is at 6.30 tonight, so go Colonels. Number five. Delivers, and the pitch to Palacios. See you later. Crushed, deep to left. That one is up on the berm, and it is gone. 107 miles per hour off his bat. Travels 405 feet, and the wind surge grabbed the early lead. For Palacios, his second home run of the championship series as he hit one in game one over in Springdale, Arkansas. That call, Mr. Tim Grubbs, friend of the show, Tim Grubbs, voice of the Wichita Wind Search, Jermaine Palacios with the second of his two homers that series. And that's the good news. You could hear the vibe in the crowd just buzzing for that game. Unfortunately, there uh, wasn't a ton of great news for the double-A Wichita wind surge that series swept in three games at Northwest Arkansas 
and their season is now done. They had championship aspirations as well, and just a really, really strong season. They led the the division something like 90% of the season this year, so definitely a strong year for them, but it ends not with a, with a parade, but with a bit of a whimper, unfortunately. However, I still look at the overall picture and say there's some talented players on that AA Wichita Wind Surge roster, so congrats to the Wind Surge on a good season. This has been Five Thoughts, and if you want more from Five Thoughts, find me on the internet, social media, Twitter, at Derek Wetmore, and Facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. We do have a loaded show today. The feature is one Mr. Justin Morneau. When we come back next, we're actually going to hear a radio revisit. This is going to be from Mike Petriello when we come back on the other side of this here on Twins Today. And then it's all Justin Morneau with his friends, colleagues, and Twins Hall of Fame peers coming up on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. back to Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, with you here on this fine Sunday in downtown Minneapolis. A little gray right now, but you know why it's a fine Sunday? Because there is baseball coming up later today. Twins and Blue Jays finish off their four-game set right here at Target Field. Um, between now and then, well, I'm with you till noon here on Twins Today, celebrating the uh, Twins career of one Justin Morneau. Then I'm handing it off to Corey Provis and Rocco Baldelli for a deep dive conversation on Inside Twins. Then it's to Chris Atterbury for the Adana Realty pregame lineup card, all coming up before first pitch, Twins and Blue Jays. Griffin Jacks on the mound for the Twins today. Um, so that's what you have looking forward to here, uh, Day of Baseball programming. For now, I wanted to, before we dive into, you know, head first into the deep end of the Justin Morneau pool here, the rest of the show, is a little radio revisit. One of our favorite segments of the week, I'm speaking for myself personally, is when Chris talks with Mike Petriello. He is, you might know him from Fangraphs, you might know him from ESPN, you might just know him from these segments, but now he writes for MLB.com and he is one of the guys helping to introduce us to StatCast in the ways that uh, data doesn't have to be scary. It can help us enjoy baseball even more. Here's a conversation with Mike Petriello in our radio revisit. We are joined, as always, on a Tuesday by Mike Petriello. His penultimate visit this year. It's brought to you by Preferred One. You can find Mike, of course, on the Twitter machine and at MLB.com. And we are looking ahead today, Mike. We're going to talk about some prospective free agents for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I know that trades are another way to get players. And your website is listed Byron Buxton as one of the most coveted trade prospects of the offseason. That's an entirely different week's worth of shows. So let's just focus on, on free agents at this point in time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're going to improve, there's a lot of ways to do that. Trades internal improvement, certainly Buxton staying healthy, obviously. But if you look ahead at the upcoming free agent class, I think there's a little bit of good news for Twins fans. Because if you look at the roster going to next year, it seems to me there are two very obvious needs. Uh, the first is shortstop, because Simmons is going to be a free agent and Lewis is probably not ready to take over. There's a lot of shortstops. Everybody knows this is like a historically good shortstop class. 
even with Lindor gone, you can go for the big names, Correa, Seager, Story, Marcus Simeon, some of the twins reportedly had interest in last year. You know, Javier Baez is a name as well. And also starting pitching. Everybody on the planet knows the twins will need some starting pitching. There's a lot of really good names out there. They won't be the only team certainly interested in, but if you are a team looking for a shortstop and a starting pitcher, this is a good market to be in. Well, I'm going to knock one right off the top. I think that there's a very high likelihood that free agent uh, Michael Pineda is somebody that the twins look to get back together with. That's proven to be a very amicable relationship on both sides when he's been able to be on the field and healthy. But tell me about starting pitchers, because honestly, that's what Twins fans are thinking about right now is what potential starting pitchers could we add to a rotation that right now is Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, maybe Griffin Jacks, and then question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Maybe Randy Dobnak, but you're kind of right. That's the yep. situation you're in. When you look at the starting pitching market on the free agent list, it's it's fun, but maybe a little misleading to just dream on the huge names, right? Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Zach Granke, Justin Verlander, those guys will all be out there. They're not all at the same points in their careers. You know, all future Hall of Famers, Granke seems like he's maybe at the end of the line. Scherzer is still dominant. If you can get mm-hmm. Max Scherzer to come to Minnesota, you absolutely want to do that. But if you look at the next level, there's some really interesting names. Robbie Ray is probably going to win the Cy Young this year. You know, either him or Garrett Cole, whether he wins it or not, he's had a phenomenal year. Marcus Stroman has had a really good year. And then there's some names that if you just look at their career stats, you might not think that much of like Kevin Gaussman's had a really weird career, you know, struggled for years with Baltimore, didn't do much with Atlanta and Cincinnati, been fantastic with the San Francisco Giants. Carlos Rodon is another guy like that. He was a high draft pick of the White Sox, and he's been incredible this year. I know he's on the injured list right now, but there are names like that that are out there. And I feel like if, you, if you're going to try to compete, you know, you're going to need to do more than one group. So for example, you're probably going to need to get a guy with some upside. Maybe that's a Robbie Ray, you know, maybe that's a Gaussman, but then you're also going to need to add some depth. So that could be like a Steven Matz kind of type. You know, he never really lived up to the top prospect billing, but he's been really reliably good for the Blue Jays this year. Jonathan Gray, I think, is another one. You know, everybody wants to know what he'll look like outside of Colorado if the Rockies choose not to resign him. And it'd be pretty fun to take the lottery ticket on Noah Syndergaard. You know, everybody wants to see what he can do if he stays healthy. But that's sort of the point, because you listed off the perspective rotation for the Twins next year. There's a lot of holes there. You're going to need more than one kind of guy. You're going to need the top end guy if you want to compete, especially with Maeda down for the year. But you're also going to need some depth. And you're going to need a little bit higher level depth than, let's say, the Matt Shoemaker types that didn't really work out this year. You're also going to have to convince him to come, right? There's the part of paying him. And all of those guys are going to be looking to leverage a good year into some security as well they should. That is what they fought for it. They earned it. And if you're Kevin Gosman and you have this kind of year, man, cash it in because it's not promised you're going to stay healthy or you're going to have another year like this. So there's a lot of money, which is an issue with a, a payroll uh, that has a giant contract in Josh Donaldson than a lot of young players that you're trying to backfill with. And knowing you don't just need one guy, you're also looking at a lot of guys who have been around a while. And what do you always hear from them? I want to go where I can win now. I don't know how much longer I have. How do you sell the Minnesota Twins situation to these guys? Well, I think you're right. And you can't expect the Twins to go out there and say, okay, we're committing $150 million to next year's payroll. That's just not going to happen. So what you need to do is is promote some of the really interesting players you have. Like, for example, Joe Ryan looks like he's going to be a capital D dude. You know, that's the kind of guy that you might want to play with. Uh, Buxton is hugely popular. Obviously, it's injuries with him. It's not, it's not talent. And so I think you need to say, You take those things and you look at the American League Central, and we talked about this recently, the White Sox still look like they're pretty good. 
but the Tigers are maybe another year away. The other two teams are not that competitive in the future. In my mind, this can be a place you could win. And it's a place that the twins have recently been very good. Obviously this year has not gone well for anybody. There's lots of questions about next year, but if you can go make those moves and you can kind of sell it on the developmental system and say, Hey, we have a way to make you better. You know, we think we can do what the giants are doing what the Dodgers and Rays have done. If you come here, we will help you improve easier said than done, obviously, because that's what everybody's trying to do. And you make smart decisions. This can be a place that you can win. And that's what you have to sell. That's the case that you need to make. So Max Scherzer and Noah Syndergaard on the rehab contract? Yeah. All right. Okay, that works for me, Mike Petriello. Uh, that's the radio revisit portion of the show. Mike joins the show with Chris Atterbury every week, every Tuesday. One more of those. So don't miss the uh, pregame show on Tuesday for the final. I don't know how you top that, talking about the juicy free agency stuff. I guess maybe we'll get to shortstop at some point. But that starting pitching one, certainly one underlined on my off-season to-do list. Max Scherzer around the trade deadline. Reportedly, reportedly, I never heard him say this, but wanted to be on the West Coast. And it's worked out pretty well for him with the Dodgers. So we'll see where all that goes. But tons of interesting names and we could fill, yeah, as I think Chris mentioned there too, a week's worth of shows just talking about only free agent starting pitchers that are set to be on the block this winter. Fascinating insight there from Mike Petriello. You can follow him on Twitter or find his work at MLB.com. It's been great hearing from him on these here airwaves all season long. So from my chair anyways, thank you, Mike. If you like Justin Morneau, if you like Twins history, the rest of this show is going to be right up your alley. Tom Kelly, Joe Vavra, Rod Carew, Brad Radke. Join the show later to talk about, you know, their their friend. As succinctly as I can put it, TK was it was I was standing in the Legends Club. We taped this one with TK because he was here this weekend for Hall of Fame and. Uh, conversations about 10 minutes long and you know if he would have been willing and the game not being starting just right around the corner I could have talked to him for an hour easily it was uh, it was just a fun catching up with TK and learning about those early days on the backfields at Fort Myers Florida where Justin Morneau sort of went from talented baseball playing man to future AL MVP and and really where he honed his game um, so TK, Joe Vavra, Rod Carew at the top of the hour, and Brad Radke all join this show later today to talk about Justin Morneau on his special weekend here at Target Field. Morneau, if you are just tuning in, becomes officially the 34th member of the Twins Hall of Fame and had his induction ceremony yesterday. Everybody just did a great job with that. It was a long one. It was a long one, but it was a good one from my perspective. So when we come back, we are going to hear from Twins Hall of Famer, two-time World Series champ, Twins legend, Tom Kelly joins the show next. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around here on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. I got to learn how to play first base from a two-time World Series champion manager. And I'm thankful for that every day. TK taught me so many lessons about how to prepare, about how to be professional, about how to be ready from the second you step on the field, because he wanted to know who he could count on when the game was on the line in the ninth inning. So I had my own personal coach 
at first base in spring training, early mornings, I'm out there before everybody else is out there. Thousands of ground balls with TK, working on footwork, working on everything. Okay, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. I'm Derek Wetmore, with the pleasure now of talking with Twins Hall of Famer, Tom Kelly. TK, thanks for joining the show. You're welcome. Happy to do it. Anytime you get a chance to talk about a, a good ball player, it's, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor. The one thing that I wanted to for sure talk to you about, about Justin Morneau's Hall of Fame induction, mm -hmm. is his evolution as a first baseman. Uh, remember the first time you saw him at first base, and what was uh, that like? I don't remember, but all I know, I was asked by uh, Mr. Gardenhire to uh, try to help him out at first and see if we could teach him a few little tricks about playing first base and and uh, so I volunteered to uh, handle that job and and uh, the one thing about it, it it wasn't a job it was a pleasure now you always hear these stories and I don't want to sound like a cliche and because this was not and it's not a cliche. You always hear, well, he's a hard worker, and he does this, he does that, blah, blah, blah. But in, in reality, this young man, he worked as hard as I've ever seen anybody. And I'm not just saying this. Uh, I know it's his weekend and all that. I get that. And I'm just not saying that. Yeah. He worked hard. He wore me out. <laughs> I mean, I was looking for excuses to get off the field because we're over there on that half field and we're banging the ball to him, banging the ball. Then we stop for instruction. Then we bang the ball again, hit the ball, hit the ball. And I, I can't tell you how many balls I hit him, but I hit him a lot of balls. And, uh, and we got to the point where we started testing them some and, you know, trying to make it a little more difficult. And... Uh, uh, and then some of the other things, uh, cutoff position, uh, how to take the throws from the different infielders, positioning your body, putting yourself in the best chance to catch the ball. Sure. And uh, we basically had to do everything, pop-ups, you know, the, the wind blows and, you know, you're a catcher, it's different at first. Yep. And if you're in the outfield, it's different at first. And, and uh, so it was... Uh, uh, I don't want to say it was even a challenge. It was a fun experience. It really was for me. And now what you hope when you get done uh, after a month or so, whatever the hell long it took us yeah. to, you know, and you're, you're able to tell Mr. Gardenhire he can play first. He, can, he won't embarrass you. He'll be okay. And uh, the rest speaks for itself, but he's a very intelligent ball player and he's an intelligent hitter. And I think the thing he learned most about playing uh, first base and what I call defense is that he took it personal. Now, once the fielder takes his position personal, now you got a player. So the understanding, he has to make plays, he's got to save his fellow infielders, bad throws, in the dirt, got to pick it, got to do this, got to do that. Blah, blah, blah. So, and these, this takes an awful lot of repetition. 
and and then you get the game action and you see it transpire into the game situations and how he handles himself and how he reacts and it's it's it was really fun to watch him work and develop as a major leaguer and uh, as you know a hitter of yeah, course sure and as a I thought a defensive specialist. I thought he would, did a very good job, but uh, there's no mistake now. No mistake. He put the work in. He did the job, and he he transformed it into a solid major league baseball player, which I, I was just proud to be a small part of, very small sure. part of. And so it was uh, rewarding watching him play the game. I, yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, and of course, we're talking about Justin Morneau here on his Hall of Fame induction weekend. He had to wait a little while, maybe sweat it out a little bit, but yeah. a deserving honor, of course. Sure. So we go out there one day, TK looks at me. You ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. And he's a wizard with the fungal. And I'm out there. First ball, clank, eats me up. Fungal goes up in the air. What am I doing out here with you? You said you were ready. And this goes on for a while. And then he comes out and he had such a way of getting his point across. It resonated with me so well. And he said, I knew you were gonna miss that ball. You know how I knew you were gonna miss that ball? I said, nope, the grass is wet. Soon as I hit that ball, I knew that that ball was going to skip. You weren't going to catch it clean. So that was the first lesson. So the next day we go out there, and I, I think I'm ready. TK looks at me. Are you ready? Yeah. What do you notice? The grass is wet. He goes, "Now, check the flags. The wind's going like that. You get in the game today, pop-up's going to go way over your head. So from that moment on, every time I stepped on the field, I checked the grass, I checked the wind, and I was prepared because of you. And I thank you for all our time together on that backfield. One of the things that I heard a story about you, TK, that when you were doing that preparation work that you talk about, whether it was you know, 2002, 2003, I don't remember the year, but that you were telling him even pre-pitch stuff. Do you remember well, going over some of that stuff I'm with sure. Justin? That wouldn't have been first nature. Well, when the manager asks you to do a job for him, and so you try to make sure you touch all the bases because you don't want any surprises. All right. So uh, I'm sure in our preparation to play, and 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 this is all part of taking the game personal. Yeah. You know, if you don't take the game personal, you're not going to prepare very well. Sure. And if you don't protect the starting pitcher, then we're going to have a problem. You know. So, but I think Justin understood all that yeah. and the more he played I think he had a better understanding of what people are talking about when they they say uh, you know be ready to play defense and and because you're in essence protect protecting the starting pitcher a play can be made and you can save the pitcher say he throws 15 pitches this inning because you make a play if you don't make the play he might end up throwing 30 
and now he pitches four innings, five innings instead of seven or eight, and, and he's got to leave the game. And once you go to the bullpen, things could deteriorate. So, and so, and like I said earlier, uh, taking the position personal. Uh, the more people you have on the field that take their defense personal, uh, the better off you're going to be and the more games you're going to win. But uh, the preparation to play and the, and the working relationships you have, especially with your second baseman, because uh, it's sometimes hard to look in at the catcher to see what pitches are being thrown and if the second baseman can relay uh, the off-speed pitches, so if it's a left-hand hitter and he whistles at you and now you know it's an off-speed so you can lean a little bit to the pull side. Or if it's a fastball, you might be able to just stay where you're at or lean a bit, a little bit to the right. So that working arrangement you have with your fellow infielders mm -hmm. is very important and can help, help you make a play. So. That's all part of being a professional player. Yeah. Tom, you said he wore you out with some of that uh, athleticism. Well, he says his head was spinning a little bit when you point <laughs> out things like where the sun was in yeah. relation to the first baseman. Yeah. If the grass was long, yeah. short, wet, dry. Yeah. He said you wore yeah. him out a little bit in that yeah. way, too. Well, like I said, the, the manager gives you a job. You're going to do it right. And, and Maybe I did a little overboard, <laughs> but again, I don't like sending somebody out there to play that's not prepared. No, and the results so speak for themselves. We speak for the wind and yeah. all that stuff, <laughs> and, and uh, having an understanding, and that's all part of your preparation. If you're not doing it, you're not trying. What was your perspective on the 2006 season that he put together? I mean, one oh, of the all-time. Gosh, I get them all mixed up, but he's uh, uh, he's just. Uh, the thing I admired was the consistency of a player, and I think that's uh, probably pounded into me uh, being a manager and, and looking for players that are consistent in their approach to the game, how they play, and, and uh, it, you know, they're not up and down, you know, guys get hot, get cold, but being consistent is a, a trademark of a pretty good player, and so the more of them you have, the more games you're probably going to win. So. Uh, but he was uh, consistent. He battled the left-hand pitchers really tough. He hung in there well, you know. So he gave it a good at bat against righties, lefties. It didn't matter. And um, he uh, and his defense spoke for itself. I think as the more he pay played, he was able to solidify that he was one of the better fielding first basemen uh, in the game. And there was been some good ones, and we've been blessed here at Minnesota uh, back when, when you had Herbeck, who was a very skilled guy, and then I think Minkiewicz would probably fit in there, and uh, we can go on now to uh, having uh, Morneau at first, and hopefully that uh, trend can continue, uh, like we've been blessed to have some center fielders. Uh, here at Puckett and Tory Hunter and uh, now Byron Buxton, who is unbelievable. So, you know, you have to watch him play to believe it. You know, you can't, you know, people tell stories, but you, you come watch and you go, oh my God, this guy can really play. So it's, uh, uh, we've been blessed at a few different positions for a long time to have uh, some solid people out there at that position. So we've been lucky that way as an organization, but uh, Justin deserves uh, this big weekend for him. 
and uh, his family and his, his parents. Uh, it's got to be very rewarding, and I'm sure they're very proud. Twins fans, that's the voice of Twins Hall of Famer and two-time World Series champ Tom Kelly. TK, thanks for taking some time for us. Anytime. Glad to do it. All right, Jojo, here we go. Joe Vavra, there's only one person to throw me more batting practice than you, and that's my dad. We spent more time in the batting cage, in the video room, than any hitting coach ever signed up for. You were a psychiatrist, you were a sports psychologist, you were a friend, you were a mentor, you were my pitcher in that home run derby that we watched, and you coached some great talents. I'm thankful that you changed my career because you believed in me when I had trouble believing in myself. You were in my corner, pushing me, telling me all the work we were doing was gonna pay off. Even when I was hitting 220 in June, you still told me it was gonna be a great year. And I don't know how I would have done it without you. Thank you, Joe. All right, welcome back, Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. Delighted to be joined by former Twins bench coach, Joe Vavra. Joe V, how you doing? How you doing, Derek? Thanks, uh, happy to be here. It's a great day, obviously, with uh, you know, Moore Noah's uh, presentation and induction into the Hall of Fame, so it's pretty exciting. I talked to TK yesterday, and basically nobody wants to take credit for helping this guy out, so I'm not sure that you'll raise your hand and get in line with this, but I want to start at the beginning with Justin Morneau. When's the first time you had your eyes on him as a coach in, in any capacity? Well, I was the uh, minor league field coordinator, and, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a very talented, you know, left-handed hitting first baseman, and I was just, I came in as the minor league director and uh, coordinator in 2002, and so I just went around and basically yeah. saw the guys. I didn't have any thing to actually do with them hitting-wise until I did more of the, off or the defensive stuff, and... Uh, later on, I got more into the hitting involved with him, but just, just to, you, when you watch Justin Morneau, he was there to work every day. He came there with the same intensity every day since, you know, basically, basically the first day I saw him uh, till the end of our, you know, reign through the big leagues as a, a, the hitter and the hitting coach. So, um, you know, his intensity, uh, just. He was he was possessed to do well, and yet he had his limitations that he knew about. He knew how to control his uh, his actions pretty much. He knew that uh, he had to perfect his swing. He knew he had to know more about himself, who he was. So it was pretty good. Talked to a longtime scout with the Twins yesterday about Justin and uh, how when he arrived, new Westminster kid, tons of power. He said even at 18, he could really put on a display. Then at the Metrodome, uh, when did you know that he could start to tap into that power in games? Because there's a difference between raw power and game power. Well, there is, and raw power obviously is, you know, you can see that in batting practice. Sure. You can see in the distance and the sound of the crack of the bat and how far the ball goes and. The, and the uh, direction, launch angle, and all that stuff, and then all of a sudden, when it becomes uh, the velocities involved, and you got to make contact, it becomes a whole different dimension in your hitting. And then you've got to start matching up your timing with uh, you know the, the the swing plane and all that stuff's got to be on, and you got to start getting it a little more perfected. And so that takes some time. And uh, over the years, 
know, he perfected. He, he made himself into a, a great player. He just, he absolutely worked himself into that, into that player. He had all the raw ability, but I've seen so many guys just come and go that have all that raw ability and just don't do it. And pretty soon, you know, here he's one of those guys that stuck it out because he had the intensity. He had the intensity to do it. It's, it's been an impressive career, obviously, an impressive story and fun weekend here to celebrate Justin Morneau. Do you have a memory as you think on his career? I, I mean, I could pick a handful of them here, but what jumps into your mind when you think about him as a player? You know what? I think when, <clears throat> you know, his dedication to his teammates, yeah, okay. dedication to his, his, the staff, um, just the overall fun that he showed within the clubhouse and how he carried it onto the ball field. It didn't ever seem like he was uh, under attack or panicked on any in any source. Seemed always in control of his emotions. Um, pleasure to work with every day because he came in with that same intensity, and you know it didn't have to be a full-on bore uh, yeah. intensity. It was you know it could be a passive passive day, but it was it was the intensity of when the body was ready to get going that he he was there to do business, and so you know he. He swung the hammer real well. You know, he come and hit the nail every day, and we we worked out of the same toolbox, and uh, it, it was it was good. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time after games, believe it or not. You okay. know, when things weren't going so good, we spent a lot of time because it wasn't his uh, in his DNA to go home feeling like he didn't have it, like he wasn't close. You know. A lot of guys go home aware. He just wanted to iron it out. So we did a lot of work after the games. And I think some of those were our, the best bonding times that we had. <laughs> Makes for a long day at the ballpark, though. You mean in the cage after games? In the cage, whatever it took. It didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It's, it's, you know, be the first one to come and the last one to go here and at the ballpark. And, uh, you know, you're, you're intense. You're, you, the object is to get better every day. And that was his, that was his goal. One last question for you, Twins fans. Joe Vavra's our guest, longtime Twins coach on the staff and coordinator. What was that moment like at the Home Run Derby in Yankee Stadium? I'm sure you told the story a thousand times, but it was a really cool moment for Twins fans. You know, it was all about the other guy, Josh Hamilton, but all, all, all Justin wanted to do was to win the rounds. And so that was the goal. It wasn't about putting up great numbers. It was just about getting one more then the next guy in that round to win the round and then see where you got in the finals. And, you know, basically we thought, uh, I'm pretty sure he did because I know I did, when, when we ended up, or he ended up with five in that last round, there's no way Hamilton, that's going to be like a walk in the park. And he, I think he ended up with three. So he tired himself out in that first round. And that made history. But, you know, long short of it, Justin Morneau come up with the, with the home run derby. Uh, crown, and that was a really special moment, obviously, for Twins fans, for Justin Morneau, and, and personally myself. It was pretty good. We, yeah. we, we had a good time. Good times. Joe V, thanks for your time. You're welcome. All right, Dirk. That the voice, of course, of Joe Vavra, the longtime Twins coach on the staff and mentor, I think you could say. Quite rightly so for Justin Morneau, the guy who Morneau talks uh, just about endlessly about in terms of helping him hone that craft, that powerful left-handed bat that made him into not only an AL MVP, but now the 34th member of the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame. That's what this whole weekend is about here at Target Field. Justin Morneau Day, I guess technically yesterday, but it's kind of a, it's like 
if your birthday falls on a Friday, you get a birthday weekend. I think Justin Morneau gets his Hall of Fame weekend. That that would be fair for me. It seems like a fair trade. And uh, like I said, kind of off the top of the show, the thing that struck me yesterday was how many people that Morneau was quick to thank. He thanked trainers. He thanked strength coaches. He thanked, you know, Guardy and Terry Ryan and TK and the scout that signed him out of New Westminster in British Columbia down to you know clubhouse attendance and uh, friends and hometown kids he grew up with i mean it was it was endless the number of people that Justin Morneau was ready and willing to thank yesterday and on his big day and uh, i think only one time in listening to the speech did i hear him say uh really anything about yeah part of this was talent so much of the theme of yesterday was Sure, talent. Lots of people have talent, but I had this amazing network around me, support staff, and I thought that was really special, really special of him to take the time to do that on what was his special day. So really cool to hear from TK, to hear from Joe V on some of the early foundations of Morneau's career, and what a special career it was with the Twins. On the other side of this news block, we are going to hear from a legend in the game. Rod Carew swung by the booth earlier this week. Um, they mentioned yesterday during the ceremony, how good of a hitter do you have to be to have the uh, a, a hitting award named after you like Rod Carew does and obviously well-deserved honor there. So we get Rod's perspective on the Twins Hall of Fame in general. Now it adds its newest member, its 34th, Justin Morneau. Rod Carew's the chairman of that group. And a special note, Every time a twins, new Twins Hall of Famer gets the call to say they're going in, it's President Dave St. Peter's on the phone, but Rod Carew is on the phone every single time. We hear about that phone call next. This is News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. A seven-time batting champion, a member of the 3,000-hit club, a first ballot Hall of Famer. The American League Batting Championship trophy is named after him, and rightly so. Being one of the best hitters of all time, chairman of the Twins Hall of Fame, Mr. Rod Carew. Well, Twins fans, welcome back to Twins Today. It's driven by the Maurer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with a repeat guest here on Twins Today, Twins inaugural Hall of Fame member, member of the 3000 Hit Club. He is Rod Carew. Rod, thanks for taking some time for us today. Well, thanks for having me again. Yeah, wow. After our last conversation, Rod, it was a no-brainer to have you back, and what an exciting weekend for you and for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, as the chairman of the Twins Hall of Fame, what is a weekend like this, what is it like for you to uh, finally put Justin Morneau into those ranks? Well, you know, it's great. It's uh, the phone call that I make to let them know that they're in. To me, that's the most exciting part. Sure. But um, this is a, a tremendous honor for these guys, you know, that they're involved w with the organization for so many years, and they end up being one of the top guys in the organization and getting into the Hall of Fame because um, I know how it feels because I'm in two of them 
And the other one is, is important, but this one is just as important to me because I spent 12 years here playing for the Twins, and um, I love being here. Yeah, well, it is special. It's a it's an important weekend, and one certainly that Justin won't forget. I want to ask you about that phone call that you just mentioned. You're the chairman. You went in in the inaugural class of the Twins Hall of Fame in 2000 along with a few of your peers. Justin, I believe, is the 34th member inducted. Uh, you've been on a number of those phone calls as the player is alerted that he's been inducted. Uh, what was the phone call like with Morneau, if you can remember? Um, Justin says, who is this? I says, Rod Carew. He says, Rod Carew. And I said, yeah. I says, I'm calling to let you know that you're joining me in the Twins Hall of Fame, you know. So he was kind of stuck for words. <laughs> sure. But, um, sure. you know, I when I got involved, I told Dave St. Peter, you know, that I want to be able to call the guys and let them know and let them know how important it is that they show up when someone's getting, you know, inducted. You know, because it's a matter of respect and he's your teammate. So be here and uh, and pay a, pay tribute to him. Number of guys here returning Twins Hall of Famers to celebrate the special weekend for Justin Morneau going into the Twins Hall of Fame class. Uh, technically enshrined in 2020, but of course putting, putting it off here for this year. Justin now finally a deserved Twins Hall of Famer. And Rod, not just the other Hall of Famers coming back, Justin has uh, 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 an expansive guest list. He might fill up half a target field with his <laughs> friends and family. That's good. Coming, coming to see him. Just a, a cool moment for those people too, I suppose, to be able to enjoy yes, that. Yes, it is. It is. You know, and it's it's nice to see his family and 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 watch their reactions. You know, when he's up there speaking, he deserves to be in the Twins Hall of Fame. You know, the job that he did playing first base and and swinging the bat. Uh, you couldn't have asked for a better guy. You know, now he's doing uh, radio, TV with uh, Dick Bremer. And yeah. I, I listen to him a lot, you know, because he's got some very good insight into the game as the game goes along. It's a part of his broadcasting career, Rod, that personally surprised me. I hope you won't take offense to this on his special weekend. I did not know how detailed he was with his thought process so hearing that come out on tv for me personally yeah. has been pretty fun over the past couple of years yeah he knows the game you sure know does. he knows the game and to be able to do this you've got to know the game know the players know the little knickknacks and the little things that go on during the game sure and so you can pass that on to the public you know, and I, I think he does a great job. He's a professor up there. I feel yeah. like I learn from him each time I watch. Uh, Twins fans, Rod Carew's our guest. Uh, of course, a man who needs no introduction around these parts. But uh, the reason we're talking to him this weekend is with the Justin Morneau's induction into the Twins Hall of Fame. Rod is the chairman of that Hall of Fame, makes all the phone calls, lets guys know when they've been inducted. Uh, so we just got to hear the story about the phone call with Justin. But, Rod, you'd be a good person to ask this question to for, for Twins fans who maybe don't know the voting process and how you do become a Twins Hall of Famer. It's a pretty exclusive club. What can you share with Twins fans about how someone actually gets enshrined in that hall? It is a very good um, good question because, you know, you, you have to be a player that has played for a long time in the Twins organization. Your accomplishments 
on the field and off the field. And I, I think that's uh, very important. And, and Justin's been just as great as far as, you know, here at the ballpark and away from the ballpark. So um, it goes through a, a voting system. And um, they send us these voting systems to, you know, write the guy's names down that you think needs or deserves to be there. So um, he got enough votes to, to, to get in. So, yeah, we're all going to be happy for him because some of the guys that he played with yeah. are probably going to be here tonight. Sure. Yeah, and I, you know, it's a, just, again, a, just a special weekend for Justin. I hope, I hope he didn't have to hold his breath too much on that one, that he was going to one day be in the Twins Hall of Fame, but I, I guess you never know with the voting process. Yeah, you never do, <laughs> you know, because you think that you deserve it. Are they going to let me in? When? And... Um, I'm happy that he was very happy when he got the phone call. Yeah. Oh, you can hear it in his voice when he talks about it. It's just, it's even cool just to hear him talk about the whole process. Uh, Rod, there's uh, not just the ceremony on the field Saturday. There's a whole weekend built around this stuff now. You're kind enough to fly in for this, spend the weekend at Target Field. thing I want to ask you, if you can give us some insight behind the curtain, the dinner Friday with players and sort of his colleagues his peers i imagine that's got to be a pretty fun time when yes, when it's it that is. group of people together it is you know we sit down we have a good dinner and we talk uh about anything um some of the guys like to get on the other guys about you know who got more hits at, you know <laughs> or how they get him out and, and things like that but you know it's um it's fun just to have everybody there, and um, it's a good time. I'm picturing somebody sitting at this table making fun of the guy to his left about how he had more hits, and then he looks to his right, and there's 3,000 of them sitting <laughs> at the head of the table. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you got to watch where you gotta who you're watch. clowning on. Yeah, that is true. Uh, speaking of speeches, because uh, that's the thing that I think a lot of Twins fans look forward to in the Saturday ceremony is hearing Justin talk. Now, I know, you know, some nerves involved in that speech for him, but what are some of the more memorable speeches for you? Is there one that, when I say Twins Hall of Fame speech, is there one that jumps right to the top of your memory, Rod? Uh, I think uh, Kelly. Yeah. You know, Kelly did a heck of a job, and, and so did uh, Tori. You know, they did a great job, you know, and, and, and you listen, you want to hear what they're saying and watching their families and seeing how they, they're they reacting to the words that, that's coming out of these guys' mouths. So, yeah, I don't know if anybody remembered my speech. I think it was real short. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you if I can take the opportunity to... 2000 Hall of Fame class to now we're talking in 2021. How has the Twins Hall of Fame evolved since you first joined that uh, that inaugural class? Well, um, it has gotten a lot bigger. Sure. Yeah. And it's going to get, I think there's some, some more guys that should be in here that aren't, that are going to be voted in. So um, I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm, I'm, I hope I can be around long enough to, uh, see the other guys that I think deserve to be in here, you know, get elected. Uh, you don't need to make this public if you don't want to, Rod, but who are some of the people as we look forward into the future for the Twins Hall of Fame? Who should Twins fans be looking for next? 
Ooh, let me see. Let me get a list. I don't have a list. Yeah, that's right. But um, hopefully down the line, if this guy can stay healthy and stay on the field, he might uh, he might get in. Byron you know, Buxton. Yeah. But I think there are some other people that they might not be players, but they're people that have been in the Twins organization for quite a few years and that have done a heck of a job. Yeah. You know, we also want to pay tribute to those guys um, to let people know how important the role they played. It, it's nice when the players can go out and put up the stats, but behind the scenes, the guys that do the little things to help the organization, uh, very important. The voice you're hearing, Twins fans, that's none other than the legendary Rod Carew, of course, here this weekend for Twins Hall of Fame, Justin Morneau's induction. And, Rod, one more question for you. Where's the best place people can keep up with you now? See what you've been up to recently. Oh, I hide. <laughs> yeah. Sure you do. I hide. Sure you do. My son's got me on Twitter now. <laughs> I've seen uh, that. He's, he's taking me out of the, the caveman times. Um <laughs> We've done some cameo things. Okay. But, you know, I, I try to stay quiet and not get involved in too many things. I, I like doing charity work, you know. So that's the, the thing that, that interests me more. And um, kids. Yeah. love doing things for kids, you know. And you can't go wrong there. Right. You know. Just give back. As yep, best you can. Give, give back all the time. The Twitter handle, Twins fans, if you want it, it's RodCarew underscore 29. That's where you can follow his very active account there. And it's just a, a treat to follow. Very fun stuff. RodCrew.com, of course, as well. It's the website. Rod, if I remember the charities correctly, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, American Heart Association, and Heart of 29. Uh, yeah, and um, they're very important. You know, I... I've been involved in a golf tournament for the last 25 years, ever since my youngest daughter died from leukemia. And then we also do a uh, uh, leukemia lymphoma walk at the stadium in California um, for survivors. And it's been great because, you know, you, you have so many people that are involved with it that come back. And... Um, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that I'm, I'm able to do it. Yeah. You know. Great service. But my website, rodcaroo.com. Yeah, that's where people can go and they can either talk to me or talk to my son. Good. You know? <laughs> Good. Well, Twins fans, he says he tries to hide, but you go find him on Twitter. Go find him at rodcaroo.com and check out that charity work that Rodney's been involved in recently. Uh, cannot thank you enough for taking some time to swing by the booth here, Rod. Thanks for joining us on Twins Today. Thanks so much for having me back, and we hope that it, you know it's been a tough year, and we know that um, they always say, wait until next year, you bums. You know, like from the Dodgers, sure. you know, when they were in Brooklyn. But I, I believe in this organization. I believe in the kids in this organization. And I know that these kids, um, they're going to learn a lot more than they have so far. And it's going to make them better players. And I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. You know, I, at least I get to go to spring training and hang out yeah. and, and work with some of them. So, yeah. 
you know, it's, it's a good thing. That's a pretty ringing endorsement there, Twins fans. Uh, Rod, thanks again, and safe travels. We'll catch you in Fort Myers. Okay. All right, take I care. I hope so. This is Twins Today on News Talk 830-WCCO. Okay, Twins fans, welcome back to Twins Today. It's driven by the Maurer Auto Group more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we're joined now as part of the Game Changers program. We'll get more into that in a second. Our guest is Alexis McKinnis. From, she is the operations manager at Natives and Indigenous Food Lab. Alexis, thanks for carving out some time for us on Twins Today. My pleasure, Derek. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you about a number of different things that are special, unique to your business. But first, can we tell Twins fans, listeners, just what the menu looks like at Indigenous Food Lab? Uh, So Indigenous Food Lab basically is, uh, we don't really sell anything. Uh, What we do is we call ourselves a culinary training center. The overall mission of our nonprofit and what we do is to kind of reestablish food pathways um, for native communities and indigenous people by reintroducing the foods that are native to this land. Um, And what we do at the Indigenous Food Lab is um, we do some recipe creations. Um, We have cooked, we have kicked out a couple of cookbooks. Um, We've got, we last winter, um, we did a soup cookbook that's just, you know, all, native plants, um, fruits, vegetables. Um, We've done some collaboration cookbooks, Uh, but primarily what we do at Indigenous Food Lab is bring people in, Indigenous people from other parts of the country who want to learn about the foods that they're surrounded with, learn about the foods and and the things that grow here um, in the Midwest and learn how to grow them, cultivate them, process them, cook them, what to do with them, create recipes on their own for those foods, uh, and then take that knowledge back to their communities and hopefully start their own kind of food business wherever they're from. When you say food path, can I want to dig on that for a second. What do you mm-hmm. mean for maybe the lay person who is just coming into this for the first time? Can you explain what you're talking about there? Sure. So by food pathways, what we mean is basically access to healthy indigenous foods. A lot of that access just isn't there. Um, You know, we don't need to get into all of what happened to the indigenous people of this land. But as a result of that, a lot of those connections to native foods and to people's heritage and and culinary cultures were completely severed. Um, So we're just trying to bring that back to the communities because I, we really believe that that is what's going to make these communities healthier and happier. Twins fans, we are talking with Alexis McKinnis. She's the operations manager at Natives and Indigenous Food Lab. This is part of the Game Changers program between the Twins and Valley Sports North, who are highlighting small and minority-owned businesses who are giving back to the community and doing great work along the way. And Alexis, that's why I wanted to circle back on the question of that it's more than just sort of a prep kitchen where you teach people about food and and mm-hmm. like a culinary school. You are a, a mission-driven business 
And it strikes me that that kind of drives a lot of the decisions you guys have made over the last year and a half. Yeah, absolutely. And we also have a whole education department as well, a little education team. Um, We are a small startup nonprofit, so we don't have a whole lot of people on our staff right now, but we do have an awesome education team and that is all culinary education as well. So again, completely food-based and, you know, we just want to be out there teaching people about indigenous foods. How big is your team that you work with and and how many people do you address in uh, maybe in a month? Gosh, I think we're at 21. I think we're a team of 21. And, you know, our, our outreach really depends on what we're doing week by week, almost. There was a march um, this morning It's in South Minneapolis to honor the victim's and the survivors of the residential schools, um, all the, you know, the children and the, the graves that were found. Um, so this week we made and we donated a thousand um, indigenous grain bowls and those are being served to the participants at the march. Wow. Um, so that's just an example of what we might be doing this week. And, you know, next week um, we might be doing something else. One of the things I wanted to ask you about today, I heard about your start that you began you know, a little less is it two years ago. And mm-hmm. that timing is oh, it's a challenge for any business, but talk about how you guys reacted in March of 2020 when brand new business, nonprofit looking to help people and then a global pandemic hit. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was a challenge and, you know, and it was just something we just felt we needed to, to jump in and do because as a result of the pandemic. And then after the murder of George Floyd and the uprising in Minneapolis that followed that, a lot of people needed support. People lost, not just Indigenous people, but many people lost um, their access to food, period. Um, I'm a resident of Minneapolis and, you know, we were under curfew. I wasn't in a, I don't live in a neighborhood that was directly affected, but a lot of people just couldn't get food, you know, whether or not they're, that meant that their corner store, their grocery store wasn't there anymore, or they were displaced by the police. A lot of the encampments in the city were pushed around by the police. So we just kind of felt that we needed to do something. So we started making those indigenous grain bowls and distributing those to people that were in need. And I heard the number, and I, I, I almost can't believe, but it has to be true, 80,000 meals distributed? Yeah, it was right around 80,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were doing anywhere from 400 to 1,000 a week. Wow. Just incredible service, of course. And you mentioned a couple times now grain bowls. When you put together a grain bowl, what does that involve? So I'll give you an example, just the grain bowls that we made this week, the thousand that we donated this week. So the base of the bowl is basically like um, an indigenous grain and legume mix. So it's hominy, quinoa, uh, wild rice, and then we put tapari or tapari beans in there. I don't know. We all pronounce it differently at natives, but, (laughs) and then we toss that with uh, an indigenous pesto, which we make with leeks, dandelion greens and kale and salt and a little sunflower oil. So that's the base of the bowl. And then on top of there, we have roasted vegetables, native to here, a lot of root vegetables. Like you got sunchokes, turnips, parsnips. I think we added potatoes in these bowls. 
And then wojapi sauce, which is a native berry sauce. We take berries that are native to the region, cook them down. We usually sweeten them with a little maple syrup. We just kind of drizzle that on top, maybe throw some greens on there. Yeah, and that can we can eat that warm, cold, room temperature, it doesn't matter. People really like those bowls and they are they are very good. It sounds delicious. And off the top of my head, it sounds um, vegetarian, vegan. Is that intentional or it's a coincidence oh. because of some of these foods? <laughs> that's, that's because my my brain, I've been a vegetarian for 23 years, I think. And I just forget to mention that we do usually put some sort of like indigenous meats on there. This week okay. we did a free range smoked turkey. Okay. I was just curious, you know, <laughs> because I, I hear a number of different food varieties that you are offering. And I wanted to ask you about the term that I had not heard before, the decolonized kitchen. And yeah, that's what so, you guys have at Indigenous Food Lab. What does that mean? Absolutely. So a decolonized kitchen means that uh, we're working specifically with flora and fauna that are native to the region. So we don't use beef, pork, or chicken, and we don't use dairy or refined sugar. So uh, as I mentioned, like we would sweeten with maple syrup or agave um, for animal proteins, turkey, duck, bison, um, fish, white fish, walleye. And then, yeah, no dairy at all. So it's true. If you, um, if you're eating a grain bowl and you choose one that doesn't have meat on it, it's, it's going to be vegan. So, yeah. Well, and and it sounds pretty hard to make this kind of food unhealthy. Like this is going to be good for you and nourishing as you eat it too. Yeah, absolutely. You take out, you know, take out things like dairy and processed sugar, and you've got a pretty healthy meal, (laughs) healthier than most of us eat most of the time. I should ask you as we close, if there are Twins fans listening to this that want to get involved or learn more about it, it's just uh, natifs.org, N-A-T-I-F-S.org. Is there anywhere else that you would send people or any ask that you have for the audience? Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea just to visit the website, natifs.org. We do have volunteer opportunities that pop up occasionally. You can find information about that um, on the website. There's a link to our Instagram. You can kind of see inside our kitchen and what we do um, on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes we're just messing around in the kitchen and sometimes we're, you know, cranking out a thousand meals a day. So (laughs) yeah, check out the website. And if you're over at uh, Midtown Global Market, you can... uh go say hi, see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. We get, we get a lot of walk by traffic. People are always like, what is going on here? What are you guys doing in here? So yeah, we're, we're used to it. You can definitely stop by and check it out. (laughs) Excellent. Well, great. Alexis, it's been great talking with you. Twins fans, our guest has been Alexis McKinnis. She's the operations manager at Natives and Indigenous Food Lab. Alexis, thank you very much for taking some time to talk on Twins today. And thank you for the work that you do as well. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Derek. Nice speaking with you. Well, Twins, today it's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. As we do each week on the show, it's time to bring in Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group to talk all things truck month. Jeremy, how's it going today? It's going great. How about you? Good, thank you. Thanks for asking. And it's truck month. We've been talking about it all month of September. What's going on at Mauer Auto Group during Chevy Truck Month? Chevy Truck Months is trucks, 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 trucks. Uh, we're, we're selling them. People are getting excited about them. And the best part about Truck Month is this year, you know, we have the strong incentives, but to go with it, you get $1,000 worth of accessories. 
anything you want that GM offers for accessories. You just get to pick it yourself. And you've talked about some of the cool toys that people put with their trucks. Uh, you've, I'm sure you've moved a few vehicles this month, Jeremy. What's a, a recent example of something fun somebody put with their truck? Well, we did have somebody actually do, they did a subwoofer is what they wanted for their truck accessory. Because, right. you know, when I order them, sometimes I put running boards on them already. And sometimes they're already set up with a bed liner and they've got the wheelhouse liners and they've got the floor liners. So everything's all set up. So they were like, gosh, what should I pick? And they picked a subwoofer to add to their sound system, you know, because when when they hear us talking with our booming voices, they're going to really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. AM radio in the subwoofer era. Uh, I, I'm curious about the floor mats, too, because you said that's something that's pretty popular this time of year. It is very popular. And that's actually one of the big deals is because on Suburbans and Tahoes this month, you also get a thousand dollars worth of accessories. So in not only in the Silverado, but in the Suburban and Tahoe, you can pick what you want and a very popular choice on that is the first, second, third row, and the cargo area. We can do floor liners for all four areas of a Suburban or a Tahoe, and that still comes under the $1,000 mark, so you can still pick out some other stuff to go with it, like splash guards or, you know, whatever. It's, you know, I've told you this multiple times. It's like you're a kid in a candy store. We got a, you got $1,000 <laughs> to spend, and you just pick stuff out for fun. Yeah. Jeremy Truck Month details, is that all at the website? Yeah, everything is at the MauerAutoGroup.com website. You can check out the store up at Anoka. You can check out the store down in Evergrove Heights. You can check out the Buick GMC store. All of it is right there for you, that one website. And the most important thing about the website, the first thing you see there is the Mauer Auto Group is more than cars. MauerAutoGroup.com. That's the website you can go for that, like Jeremy said. Uh, Jeremy, really appreciate the uh, overview, and I thank you for coming on Twins today. You are so welcome. It's great to be on here every week. Thank you so much. Okay, Twins Today, it's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, hanging out in the event suite with... One of the greatest pitchers in Twins history, he's Brad Radke. Brad, thanks for taking some time today. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Justin Morneau, it's a special weekend for him. What is it like to see his progression from the first time you would have seen him as a young guy to now getting inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame? Well, I know, uh, I think his first year might have been 2003, the Twins. Um, so I played with him for four years. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a growing experience for him and for everybody, uh, for the young guys that come up and trying to uh, just getting their feet wet and getting it, getting into routine and stuff. But uh, yeah, but from 2003 to now, he's he's grown up quite a bit. You know, uh, great dude. Um, you know, when I was on the mound, it was a great guy to have at first base, for sure, you know, scooping up them balls and getting guys out for me. TK talked about his maturity as a fielder. He said it really took off when he started to take it personally. Did you did you witness that from your position, standing over next to him on the mound? Yeah, I witnessed that in spring training because, okay. uh, 
you know, when pitchers did the uh, PFP pitchers fielding practices, you know, and Justin's over there first base, and I, I remember TK, I remember TK getting on him, you know, just trying to mold him into the, the player that he was, and uh, TK did a great job, and Justin was a great uh, was a great student. Brad, 2006 was a special year for him, of course. Uh, memorable year in your career as well. What was it like to have the front row seat to his MVP caliber season? Yeah, uh, special. You know, especially being a teammate and watching watching a guy, you know, evolve. You know, uh, it's very special, uh, very special for him, his, fam his family, for the Twins community. Um, I know there was a lot on his shoulders. Uh, talking about Herbeck, you know, hitting all these, all you got to do, and you got blah, blah blah. In which I think Justin was that type of guy to where, yeah, I'd love to be like a Herbeck type of guy, you know. But then I'm Justin. I'm gonna. I'm on my own path. I'm going to do what I need to do to help this team win, and uh, he did a great job. Uh, great job doing that. Well, we talked with Guardy in the past about the the transition, and I mentioned taking the game seriously there on defense. But Guardy would talk about just the overall, really coming to the park and being a professional. I know it's a cliche, I, even as I hear myself saying that it's a cliche. But did you see that evolve from the young guy to then becoming who we see getting inducted into Twins Hall of Fame? Now, do you know what I mean? Did you see that maturity process from his career? Yes, um, for sure. Uh, you know, just taking it year by year, and there's so much to learn. There's so much being thrown at a player about, you know, just, you know, staying your, you know, going down the right path, you know, just, just keeping yourself involved and. Just, just doing what you needed to do it day in and day out. Um, it's a grind. Um, I think that's the most important thing as a young guy coming up. That 162 games is a grind. You know, travel. It's a grind. It's a grind. Yeah, minor leagues is it's a grind as well. But you're you're expected to do so much more once you get here. Um, so he's. I mean, obviously he did a great job at it. Um, I think. His family and friends around him, with the support that he had, that helps out tremendously as well. And so he he did a great job, and I'm I'm very proud of him. Very yeah. proud. You also learned that lesson yourself at some point, I'm sure. Who taught you that? Where where did you get your school of hard knocks in the big leagues? School of hard knocks. Because um, you can only learn it going through it. I know. I know. Going with myself, going through it in the early years. Uh, the twins, you know, they always work within their farm system. And I know the first couple years for me, it was kind of like an, an on-the-job training type thing. Yeah. So um, I got the chance, got the opportunity. Yeah, there were times where I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I, this is crazy, but you just have to stay strong, stay that path, and, you know, just hope for the best. And, uh, you know, things work out. Yeah. That's great advice. And, uh, Brad, Twins fans might be wondering now, what you're up to? Do you mind sharing? What's, uh, what's new in your life? What's new? Um, gosh. I uh, just do a lot of fishing, of course, which yeah. everybody probably knows. Um, <laughs> got two boys, 25 and 21. They're growing up. They're, you know, basically out of the house for the most part, but uh, still a family man and trying to be the best husband I can be, and that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a lot. It is a lot. Well, we thank you for taking some time here on this special weekend for Justin Morneau. Uh, Brad Radke, thank you for chatting with us on Twins today. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Thank you.
More baseball after this. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. All right, Twins fans, welcome back. It is Twins Today. It is driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. And I am your host, Derek Wetmore, live here at Target Field. So that all checks out. All facts verified. The Blue Jays are taking a little infield right now, getting set for game four of this series between the Twins and Blue Jays, the final contest of the season between these two teams. And the Twins are looking to uh, win the season series, which is pretty good considering this club over here is uh, trying to fight its way back into that AL wildcard spot. They've got some work to do, of course. This weekend is all about Justin Morneau. It's his Hall of Fame induction weekend. We've heard some great interviews, not by the interviewer, but the interviewees themselves have been great today here on Twins Today. We started the show, uh, the interview section, talking to TK, two-time World Series champ, Twins Hall of Famer. Joe V joined the show as well to talk about his tutelage of Mr. Morneau and uh, all those uh, apparently late night batting practice sessions. That is something I did not know. I learned, well, I learned many things this weekend. The two that jumped to the top of my mind is that if Morneau had a bad game, he would make Joe V stay with him after at the park. And whether it was hitting or, I don't know, video or scouting or anything, Morneau was leaving late. That part doesn't surprise me, but the fact that sometimes it meant, uh, you know, game gets done at 11, 12 o'clock, and then you head down to the cage to take 100 more swings or whatever it took, I guess I guess that's how you become an American League MVP and Twins Hall of Famer. Uh, that's one thing I learned. I also learned we didn't get a chance to mention it on the show, so I'll take this opportunity here that Morneau gets a little bit of a hard rap sometimes from some Twins fans who maybe loved the trees out in the center field berm at Target Field, um, myself being one of them. Michael Kadire raised his hand and says, hey, I was in that group too. <laughs> so I learned that this weekend. Of course, it wasn't just Justin Morneau. Um, but Kadire actually said something interesting. He said they could have just filled the trees in. We just didn't like the gaps in between them. But I know there's a lot of complications that come with all that. And uh, sorry, Minnesota Twins, for scratching that wound. But the the two things that I learned this weekend, uh, those two, and also just that Justin Morneau is just so widely liked. In fact, I wanted to take a segment here to close the show to mention some of the teammates that he took time to thank. I really like this first story. And I'll tell you why in a second. It's about Nick Punto and Justin Morneau being a, a little bit of a superstar. All right, boys, <clears throat> to my teammates, I thank you for always holding me accountable, for letting me know that sometimes what I was doing wasn't good enough. I'm standing here because of success, yes, but there's also things that I did that you guys checked me on. Nikki, I remember we were playing the Cardinals in spring training. This isn't a good story about me, this is a bad story. But this is a good story about my teammates. I had a back injury the year before. It rained for a couple hours. I had a little diva in me, so I went into Gardy's office. And, you know, 
a little afraid of going out on that field, don't want to re-injure the back. So Garney takes me out of the lineup. He's not going to put somebody in there who's not comfortable. Well, about five minutes later, Nikki, you got word of this. And you came over and you blew me up. And it was the only time I've ever heard you call me superstar. And it wasn't a compliment. You said, you're too much of a superstar, you can't play? Albert Pujols is over there playing, and you can't play first base? And I love you, brother, because that's what we had on our teams. We kept each other in check. We knew that nobody was bigger than the team, and we played for each other. Thanks, Nikki. Yeah, I love that story because it says a lot about Nick Punto, but it says a lot about Justin as well, that he was willing to uh, set his ego aside and accept that uh, deserved criticism, I guess. I guess you'd say. How about the time that Nick Punto was on uh, the other end of things? Tori, we talked about this earlier. You're like a big brother. Sometimes brothers fight. Sometimes brothers have a good right cross. Isn't that right, Nikki? <laughs> you took care of me when I came up. You looked out for me, you took me under your wing, and you showed me what work looked like. You took me in that weight room. You showed me what it took to get prepared to play Major League Baseball every day, and I thank you. Yeah, so setting the record straight there on that right cross that missed Morneau and uh, landed on uh, one Mr. Punto. Uh, just a fun story to revisit, thanking Tory Hunter. How about Michael Kadire, too? He joined the broadcast the other day, and it's always great to hear from Cuddy. Cuddy, we still have good ball talk. One o'clock in the morning, we'll get done watching the game. I'll send Cuddy off a text, some rant about something that happened in the game. And we did that throughout our entire career. Cuddy, you said it earlier, you don't think you could have been the player you've been or you were without your teammates. I couldn't have been the player I was without you. Thank you, Cuddy. Speaking from the heart, Justin Morneau uh, this weekend inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame. He becomes the 34th member in that fraternity. We're going to take our final break here on Twins Today, and when we come back, there's still a couple guys that uh, were left to thank. One, Joe Maurer and Ron Gardenhire. Back after this on Twins Today, this is News Talk 830 WCCO. Okay, Twins fans, welcome back. It's Twins Today. It's driven by the Maurer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting as the sun washes over Target Field, getting you set for Twins and Blue Jays' first pitch coming up a little later. After this show, you're going to hear from Corey Provis and Rocco Baldelli in an extended conversation on Inside Twins. Then it's the Adina Realty pre-game lineup card with Chris Atterbury and then the aforementioned first pitch, Griffin Jacks, on the bump for the Twins today. It is Justin Morneau weekend, and the two people that maybe maybe most people were wondering about more than others. We start with his longtime friend, teammate, former roommate, and uh, one of the only other guys who knows what it's like to be an MVP, Joe Maurer. I know we're running out of time, so Joe, I'll try not to make this too long. You were younger than me. You were two years younger than me, but I looked up to you. You handed yourself from the first day you got a professional baseball, as well as anyone could have. You were first overall pick. Everybody knew you everywhere you went. Yet, every one of those interactions, I never saw you treat someone badly, give someone a, a bad time. You always had time for everyone. 
and you reminded me how important it was to be able to interact with the fans because you grew up here and you knew what these fans mean to this ball club. We have so many great memories together and I look forward to making many more on the golf course. It's been a pleasure to be your teammate, my friend. Thank you. Another one of the nice moments yesterday during uh, Morneau's induction. And Maurer actually introduced him, so that was pretty cool to see as well. Or as Maurer would say, it was a pretty neat deal. If you've listened to the show at all this year, you know I don't really do the hot take thing, but this next one might qualify. I contend that if not for a conversation with Ron Gardenhire, Justin Morneau, the super talented, powerful, slugging lefty, would not have had the career that he had. Gardy, I can't make eye contact because you start crying, I'm going to start crying. Much like the example that Terry Ryan set for the organization, every player that played under you, you treated like a son. You loved them like a son, and if they gave you everything you had, you gave them everything back. You did that for me. We had a meeting in 2006 in Seattle that not only changed my career, but also changed the course of my life. You told me that you expected more out of me. And you let me know what I was doing wasn't acceptable. That I needed to be a professional, I needed to be an accountable to my teammates, to you and to the fans. And you helped me get the most out of myself. And I have a vivid memory of you tossing your hat up in the air, kicking dirt on home plate, because you always had our back. I'm glad that you were the only manager that I ever played for for the Minnesota Twins. Thank you, Guardy. Great stuff from Justin Morneau. Stay tuned for Corey and Rocco on Inside Twins. This is News Talk 830 WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.